This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. You only need to spend a few seconds on Grace Point Ministries' YouTube channel to understand that this is not a conventional church. It's the power of God for salvation to all who dare believe it. So we share in suffering. We fight like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Turning away from youthful passions to truth and compassion, students in college gathering together, losing our lives because we've got all the game. Grace Point is an evangelical Southern Baptist ministry with more than 800 outposts in college towns around the U.S. And that's how Grant Howailin found his way to Grace Point's church in Berkeley, California. So while Grant was at Berkeley, um, he started attending Grace Point Church um, and he became you know, a full-time congregant. That's Drew Murotra, an investigative reporter at Wired. And after about a year of being a member of the church, he felt comfortable enough to come out to his church leader as being a being a gay man. And when he did that, you know, the church leader was accepting of him, which was surprising to Grant. But there was a caveat, which was that Grant had to install this software, Covenant Eyes, on his phone, which uh, the church leader, according to Grant, the church leader told him that the app would help him with, quote, all of his urges. Covenant Eyes monitored Grant's phone and sent reports about what he was doing online to his designated accountability partner, his church leader. Grant later shared those reports with Dhruv. And when I read them, what it tells me is that Grant is like a totally normal dude. <laughs> like, you know, he's, he's reading BuzzFeed, he's looking at the Huffington Post, and he's, you know, whatever. He's just like a, a guy browsing the internet at night. But what it told the, the church leader was that Grant, you know, uh, had some kind of issues, right? You know, one thing, one email that I got from, uh, that, that Grant sent me from his church leader was was because Grant searched up, searched a hashtag gay on a website, right? Uh, and that was enough for the church leader to confront Grant. And that email was like very accusatory. It basically was like, hey man, anything you need to tell me? And it's not just Grant. According to Dhruv, more than 450 Grace Point congregants had Covenant Eyes or similar accountability apps installed on their phones, as do Grace Point staff. The idea, the lead pastor told Dhruv, is to team up with someone else and help control sinful behavior, like the urge to look at porn or masturbate. But there's something else going on here, too. A question about who has control over what someone else does on the internet. I think if you are maybe a casual churchgoer or really member of any religion, it might seem like a lot for your, you know, religious leader to ask you to install software on your phone. And I wonder if you could describe the role that Grace Point plays in people's lives. I don't think Grace Point is like every other church. I think Grace Point is much more all-encompassing in their members' lives. Um, you know, for Grant, they paid for his housing. Uh, he had basically subsidized housing in Berkeley, California. Uh, he paid $400 a month in rent when he was at school there, which is, you know, like, you know, a hell of a deal. 
And, you know, without the church, he might not have had anywhere to live. Um, so, you know, that's sort of the type of role that Grace Point plays in these, in these, uh, con- in these kids' lives. And, you know, like, that is a, a beneficial role for a lot of them, of course. You know, like, this provides community. It provides housing. It provides, you know, activities. Um, and, you know, that's, that's all well and good. But I think that also does factor into the uh, power dynamic at play. Today on the show, the rise of so-called accountability apps, or to put it another way, shameware. They're popular in churches and evangelical schools. But if your pastor asks to survey your phone, can you freely consent? I'm Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TBD, a show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick around. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. If you take a quick browse on the App Store for Accountability Partner, you'll find a range of apps intended to share what you do online with someone else. Some are intended to help users stay on a diet. Others are explicitly about porn addiction. And then there are apps like Accountable to You or Covenant Eyes that are more broad-based. They're not completely unlike parental control apps, but instead of blocking content, they track it. It actually seems more interested in monitoring the content and sharing it with an accountability partner. This act of having accountability for what you look at is the sort of core piece of what these apps do. So that I look at something and it it shares that with you and you're the person who sort of keeps me honest. Exactly. Um, how exactly does the technology work? Can you walk me through like what someone might do on their phone and then what the person monitoring it might see? So... Covenant Eyes, one of the sort of larger larger players in in this um, very niche ecosystem of apps, it'll take a screenshot of every single thing that you do on your device, multiple per minute is what they say. And, you know, I decompiled the app and I looked through it and there's nothing to suggest that that isn't the case. So it is taking screenshots of your device. First, what it does is it analyzes those screenshots locally on the device to detect pornographic images, right? Hmm. It wants to be able to see if what you're looking at is pornographic. And then it'll slightly blur it and then send the image and the content to, you know, its servers or whatever and bundle it up in a report for the individual's accountability partner. And you mentioned Covenant Eyes, but how how many kind of apps like this exist out there? There are three big players. Covenant Eyes is the biggest. Uh, Accountable to You is another one that churches are using. Um, In fact, that Grace Point switched to recently, according Mm. to uh, the head pastor there. And Ever Accountable is another one. Do we know how big a market there is for this stuff? All three of them have hundreds of thousands of downloads. They've been around, at least Covenant Eyes has been around for two decades According to Rocket Reach or uh, some other business records we had seen, uh, the, the company makes or nets like $26 million a year. Oh. So this is not a tiny market. 
No, it's not a small market, which is what makes the story sort of fascinating is that this has been around for a long time and it's sort of not been really explored and talked about. At the heart of apps like Covenant Eyes, Accountable to You, and Fortify is the idea that they can help you fight porn addiction. They frame watching pornography as a moral failing. And on the Covenant Eyes website, you'll find links to blog posts that say watching any amount of porn is bad for your health. And then they offer a solution. A kind of radical accountability, as they call it. Would you watch porn if you knew you'd have to talk with your pastor or your family about it? Still, some researchers think this idea is dubious at best. I spoke to one expert. Her name is Nicole Prouse. Um, she is a firm believer that these apps don't do anything to actually help uh, an underlying pathological issue because this isn't an underlying pathological problem. Um, it just makes people feel worse, is what she says, right? It, and, you know, that's not to say that using this app won't prevent you from looking at porn because, of course, it probably does. I'm not going to want to look at porn if I have to talk about it with somebody else. But whether or not it actually helps people to make them feel better about themselves in the long term is something that experts do question. But accountability apps don't just track adult content. They monitor what apps you're using, what sites you're visiting, even what you're looking up on Instagram. One of the things that I was really interested in in your story is like the minutia of what the app records. I mean, it seems like it could be everything from like, oh, you click on that ad that was served to you to something you're actually seeking out. Like what, how, how fine-grained is what these apps are collecting? Yeah, it's very, very fine-grained. And, and to your point, that's exactly what it does. Accountable to You is a good example of this. Accountable to You doesn't necessarily take a screenshot of everything you're looking at, but it just looks at all of the network requests made by your browser. So when you look at any website, you, you know, a website might make hundreds of these network requests to advertisers and you might see ads from that or whatever, right? And all of that will show up in a accountable to you report. And all of it gets, you know, categorized as to in, into, you know, mature content or not mature content or whatever, based on the metrics that accountable to you has set up. So, you know, the people that I had spoken to saw just mundane stuff be flagged as mature. Covenant Eyes flagged Grant's psychology textbook. Really? Yeah, yeah, from school. Yeah, do you have other examples of things that were innocent or random that then got flagged? Accountable to You did send uh, a report to someone's uh, accountability partner when they looked at, they looked up, like, they wikipedia atheism, essentially. When we tested the software, you know, because of Grant's story, I looked at, you know, keywords with, like basically URLs with gay, transgender, and lesbian in the URL. And the most striking example for me was the CDC's website for youth resources for gay and trans transgender people was flagged as mature content. You say you tested it out. What did you do? Um, I basically downloaded the app on one phone, uh, and then I made another phone uh, my accountability partner. And I would just navigate the web like how I normally navigated the web, except, you know, in some instances go to, you know, certain sites just to trigger a, a, an alert. Um, and then I just waited for the alert to come through on my other phone. And in the case of that CB CDC site, it was almost immediate. I got a text message that said, you know, someone you're holding accountable has looked at a mature, mature content. Wow. Do you think it gave a fair portrait or accurate portrait of what you were doing on the Internet? I mean, it was correct in that, you know, the 
sites I navigated to on my web on my on my browser showed up in the reports and things I looked at on my phone showed up in the reports, right? But what was incorrect is sort of how they categorized it. And I think that's one piece of the puzzle, right? The categorizations that these apps assign to content can be problematic for people. But also just the fact that they're showing up in a report could also be problematic for people. What do you mean by that? Tell me. You know, I can imagine a world where this software is, is fine, right? If, there, if you consent to it, you and your accountability partner have um, a consenting relationship where you understand what's on your phone and, you know, this is very much part of your lives and you're both honest about it, that's fine. But in situations like churches where people I spoke to weren't able to consent to it, the fact that their pastors or church leaders might be getting a report that just flags minutia... Um, just makes them feel like they've done something wrong, that they've, they're guilty. They're guilty by virtue of it showing up in a report at all. When we come back, where is all this data going? Hey, everybody, it's Neil. I've got some huge news. Decoder is moving to Mondays and Thursdays. We're adding a second episode of the show. On Mondays, we'll have our classic interviews with CEOs and other troublemakers. I think we're going to have to start having conversations about how do we pay those jobs that can't be done by AI. And on Thursdays, we'll be explaining big topics in the news with Verge reporters, experts, and other friends of the show. There's a new generation of people on the internet. Google search has always sucked for them. So, you know, there's no reason for them to be loyal. They can just go to TikTok. This is going to be really fun. I'm very excited about all this. So go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts now. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. When Dhruv tested the apps, he found that, in the Android operating system, they relied on a phone's accessibility features. Accessibility features are meant to help people with disabilities navigate their phones with ease. But when accessibility features are turned on, you can end up granting sweeping access to your phone, meaning some security gaps get wider. Both Covenant Eyes and Accountable to You um, exploit these, these accessibility features in the Android operating system. And I wonder how, in order to do what they do, I wonder how the big tech companies think about how these apps work. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, to be clear, the iOS version of the app 
uh, does not exploit the accessibility features. And we also didn't test the, that version of the app. Apple didn't respond to a request for comment, and I think likely that's just because the app is fine for them. Uh, Google, though, on uh, the Play Store, after we reached out for comment um, about how these apps were functioning, which is abusing the accessibility permission, uh, they took down the apps. And that's Mm. because the accessibility permission is specifically for, you know, features for those who are blind or deaf. And that this is very much not providing a service for for people with um, any kind of disability. When I think about this, just from a data collection standpoint, it seems like there's a remarkable amount of data collected. What happens to that data? It's a good question. And largely, we don't know. You know, all of these companies say they don't share the data with third parties. But if you look at the privacy policies, they do actually make some concessions that they share <laughs> share it somewhat, right? Like... Uh, another app that, w- that I looked at was called Fortify. It's slightly different than Accountable to You and Covenant Eyes um, in that what Fortify does is it just is meant to track your masturbation habits, right? And the goal of it is to prevent you full stop from masturbating. And what that app will collect is, you know, when a person masturbates, what time they masturbate, what device, that kind of thing. It's all self-reported. So it's like you're telling the app that that's what you're up to? Yeah, exactly. Um, And, you know, it provides you a log of your behavior. um, And I guess in theory, that kind of those kinds of analytics would help you analyze yourself better. But that app uh, we found is stuffed with all sorts of ad tech. And the Mm. problem there is that there's all sorts of data that gets incidentally shared with companies like Facebook. Like, for example, when you fill out that form that tracks your progress in your journey of stopping masturbating, Facebook is notified. They're not notified of the content, but they know that you filled it out. Um, And kind of more shockingly, uh, Facebook also got uh, the username and password and plain text from individuals who use that app. Apart from data security, another question that comes up again and again in the use of accountability apps is of consent. And whether the power imbalance inherent in a congregant and pastor relationship allows people to make a free choice. You talked to a lot of people who use these different apps. Did they feel like they understood what they were getting into? Yeah, definitely. I think everyone knew what the app was doing. They might not have known that it would flag content the way it did or that their pastor or church leader would react the way that they did when they saw the reports, but they all were aware but they, at the same time, right, most of them did not consent to put the software on their phone, right? They didn't have a cho- They didn't feel like they had a choice. Well, let's explore this issue of consent because, right, they, they knew what they were getting into and yet what? They felt like they were in a, a pressured relationship because someone, a, a pastor or a church leader, kind of strongly encouraged them to do this? Yeah, that's exactly it. One expert I spoke to uh, at the EFF just summarized it pretty well. The Electronic Frontier Foundation. Yeah, at the Electronic Frontier Foundation. She said that, you know, one criteria of consent is that you should feel empowered to say no. And these people often did not feel empowered to say no because of the relationship and dynamic of the church that they were part of. I think people have probably thought about that in relationship to religion for a long time, but adding technology and how much we do on our technological devices right now just adds this whole other dimension. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, confession has been part of many different religions for a long time, right? And in some ways, this is just uh, another extension of what confession is. But I guess the difference is, is that with confession, you choose what to confess, and this is just automatically sharing it with your your pastor. Well, Grace Point may be the most prominent example of a church pressuring members into downloading these apps. It's not the only one. Churches around the country use them, as do places like Evangelical College Bob Jones University. In the past year, more than 50,000 people have downloaded Covenant Eyes, according to app analytics firm AppFigures. And RocketReach estimates that the company, whose service costs $16.99 a month for up to 10 members, has an annual revenue of $26 million. I learned about other smaller churches around the country who um, have used them or individuals whose whose parents had uh, made it made them use the app, but you know, made their accountability partner be the um, the church leader or the pastor. But I didn't, I hadn't heard about it being used systematically in the same way that Grace Point uses it. Um, but I will say too that at least for both uh, apps, they do market to churches. You can find a lot of uh, material on the internet from churches saying that, like, you know, sign up with promo code our church or whatever and get a discount and, you know, be added to our group. Um, so you can, you know, presumably send the church leader or the pastor the your, your web history. Grace Point posted a, an interesting response to your reporting, um, basically saying that they wanted people to have friends and not members of the church as their accountability partners because of this power dynamic. But then they also had this point in their response saying basically that this stuff is popular. And it made me wonder, like, where you think the market for accountability software is going? Like, is it just growing? That's a good question. I honestly don't know if it's growing. Um, but I will say that after we published the article, a lot of people reached out to me and they 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 said that they loved the software, that they hated the article. <laughs> I think the point still stands that this is about consent. When you have church leaders in this position to to force kids to install an app that's like a it's a dangerous place to be especially when you know these are young men who are exploring their identity Juve Marosha thank you so much for talking with me thanks for having me Juve Marotra is an investigative reporter for Wired and that is it for our show today what next tbd is produced by Evan Campbell our show is edited by Jonathan Fisher Joanne Levine is the executive producer for What Next. Alicia Montgomery is vice president of audio for Slate. TBD is part of the larger What Next family, and it's also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. And if you're a fan of the show, I have a request for you. Become a Slate Plus member. Get your podcasts ad-free. Just head on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. All right, we will be back next week with more episodes. I'm Lizzie O'Leary. Thanks for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, 
for the ones who get it done.